Welcome to another episode of the Weekly Regular. My name is Asan, and I am joined by good friend of the show this week. Bitcoin Drew is returning. What's up, Bitcoin Drew? Uh, nothing much. Uh, glad to be back. Good. Good to have you back. Um, what is what did you do this week? We always start off with what we did this week. What did you do this week? Was your week eventful? Oh man, uh, I I just worked. I'm, I've been working a lot. We we have a baby coming, another one coming in, in a month. What? Um, I don't know when we last talked. So uh, that's all that's really on my mind right now. If you can see behind me, I'm in almost like a storage room because we're moving rooms around. Uh-huh. So that's. All I'm doing right now is working and trying to set up the house. That's crazy. Well, congratulations, first and foremost. Thanks. Are you are you excited? Is there any excitement baked in there? <laughs> uh, there's uh, there's excitement, but uh, more um, I don't even know what the word is. But I'm I'm in I'm anxious to see what our life is gonna look like with two kids under two. How about that? I just want to know what's gonna happen what my life is actually going to look like because you have all these thoughts when you have your first kid and uh-huh. uh then now we're having two young ones so i have no idea what it's going to look like mm-hmm. but anyway i kind of deferred from what's going on this week to what's going on in my life but that's why i literally can't think about what's going on this week i think they're one in the they're one in the same right <laughs> yeah i guess we, we switched a bedroom how about that oh okay so <laughs> your your master bedroom is now different uh, well, I'm 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 working in a future kids' room now. So. Oh, okay, gotcha. And my wife is and my wife is working in our bedroom, so I'm probably going to be moving out to the the kitchen table pretty soon here. So, gotcha. Okay, playing a what little. What about you? Uh, you having a kid this week? I'm not having a kid this week. Uh, oh, I'm in the same room that I'm always in. Um, but uh, what did I do this week? Um. I actually went. Oh, this will be interesting. Uh, you're also uh, uh, into punk music. I went to a show for the first time since uh, the COVID lockdowns. Who'd you see? I've been wondering when things are going to start happening again. Actually, I went and saw a band called Zulu. You familiar? I'm not. Uh, they're really good. They're like a they're like a power violence band, and all the okay. members are black. And it was really cool. So the show was uh, put on at this place called. First Street Billiards and Pool or something like that. And it was in like Boyle Heights. And it was like the whole the whole lineup was was black bands and artists and stuff. It was really cool. So Zulu played. Um, Not necessarily all punk. No. So there was like uh there was like three punk bands. There was Zulu, there's a band called Smut, and then a band called Sex Pill. And then uh the other two acts were um one was I believe a rapper and the other one was like a like a female rapper slash like singer. Her name was Baby Africa. So it was it was an interesting crowd though. It was cool to see like. Uh, are you aware of the Afropunk festival that happens in no, uh, in New York? It. Yeah, it's this big uh, like punk like black alternative music scene festival that happens in New York, where everyone just everyone who's black and into alternative music clothes it's i mean it's open to everyone but all the artists yeah. are like black artists and stuff like that it was really cool like it looked like that like that was the vibe of the room like there was like you know people in studded jackets with you know patches and stuff all over them and then there was people in like you know who looked like they just strolled in off of melrose you know like yeah. it was it was all it was all over the place it was really cool i enjoyed it that's cool that's totally cool mm-hmm. um zulu but no 
no relation to South Africa? Uh, no, not that I know of. Because that's one of the people groups in South Africa, the Zulus. Right. Um, Zulu Nation, man. Yeah, no, uh, I don't believe that they have any ties to South Africa. They might. I don't know. But, um, yeah. It's, uh, cool. yeah, it was cool. It was a good show. Um, first time back, and it was, it, was a, it was a different experience. They checked everyone's vaccination cards at the door, and then the mask, masks were just, like, suggested. Like, they weren't mandatory or anything if you showed your vaccination card. So, it was cool. Like, it felt well, like... Well, there's our first topic, uh, vaccination yeah. cards. How are you but, feeling about? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Do you have another? But question? I want to. But I want to ask. Uh, was there a pit? Like what? what oh, was the- the, yeah, of course. Yeah, okay. it, there was definitely a pit. Um, it was pretty wild, especially for smut. The smut pit was really crazy. The Zulu. Was there pit, a stage? There was a stage. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, I mean the sound system wasn't great, but you know, it's punk show, and it was yeah. the the pit was very lit. It you okay. know, yeah. I mean, the drinks were very cheap, so everyone was going for it. Everybody was having fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we can That's start cool. there. So what? what is your... Um, you don't strike me as somebody who leaves the house very often. And I don't mean that in a, in a you know, derisive way or a demeaning way. But you don't strike me as someone who goes out into the public any more than he has to. So have you come into contact with any of the vaccine regulations, mask stuff? How are you? How how has your experience with that been? Well, I'll say um, pre-COVID, I was never home. But mm-hmm. uh, since since COVID, I uh, I don't go. I don't by choice not go into public. It's more mm-hmm. just that I work from home. My wife works from home. My and we had a baby, mm-hmm. so going going out in public is a giant pain in the ass <laughs> and since my wife's been pregnant for eight months right. um she wasn't vaccinated um up until very recently because uh, her doctor didn't want her to be um and so she's been very cautious through her pregnancy mm-hmm. to not go out in public so of course. um so while i live i live in san Bernardino county so mm-hmm. we don't even have a mask mandate mm. um which is an interesting thing uh because I've had to do a couple things in LA County over the past couple months and forgot my mask. Cause I don't even really think about that out here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a weird thing where it depends on where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, when people are at CVS, they all wear masks. Um, if you're at home Depot, almost nobody's wearing masks. And I don't know if that says something about the demographics or if it says something about like people are confused and think that CVS is like a hospital. Um, and Home Depot is like being outside, even though they're both in a store. Um, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the motivation is there. But um, I've never, I've never gone to anything because I haven't really had the opportunity to. But I haven't gone to anything where I've needed to uh, show a vaccination card um, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, was the show the kind of scenario where it was like vaccination card or a COVID test or just vaccination? No, card? it was vaccination cards. You had to be vaccinated to get in interesting um and so i recently went to new york like two or three weeks ago for a couple days and they you know they're straight up you have to be vaccinated to go in anywhere basically um i mean obviously you can walk around the streets and do you know you know that kind of stuff but like in order like any business there really for the most part you have to show a vaccination card um especially like restaurants and stuff like that and and honestly it's not any different in practice, it didn't feel any different than when you have to show your ID to go somewhere. 
Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't feel any different than that. Um, and, but in New York, because they do that, in, inside of places, they don't require masks because everyone in there is vaccinated. Um, that's interesting. So that is the... That's the that's the way they're doing it in New York, and I think LA is is close to is going to be that soon. As far as LA County, I believe there is still a mask requirement for indoors, mm-hmm. um, and at this point, a lot of businesses in LA County are asking for vaccination cards, but I don't think it's a I don't think it's a countywide mandate yet. Uh, mm-hmm. In terms of you have to show it or something like that, I think. But there are a lot of businesses that are like a lot of bars. Um, a lot of a lot of nightlife type places are asking for them in LA County. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I was having a discussion about this the other day um, <clears throat> with sort of like the you know the um, I, I hate to even get, I don't even necessarily want to get into the politics of it because I think the the politic the politicization of it is o- obvious to everyone, and I think it's um, it is what it is at this point. I, I kind of would like to talk more about like your opinion on like uh, sort of ethically or like the philosophical implications behind uh, you know the government. Should the government? Do you think like the like the government should be able to ask ask people of these kinds of things? Like I think there's a lot of co- cognitive dissonance going around with um, um, with this particular issue because I feel like so many people who um, because of the hyperpolitical politicization of it um i think a lot of people have drawn their line in the sand with the vaccine in a way that a lot of other aspects of life people aren't doing that and i just find that interesting why this particular thing has become the issue of you know of liberty and all that kind of stuff because there's there's plenty of things that that i was you know i was talking to someone the other day like there's a from from the people who are anti-vax or vax hesitant like there seems to be two main schools of thought now obviously everyone's an individual and they have their own you know leanings and ideas and 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 respect respectfully um you know there's like two main camps there's people who don't want the vaccine because they believe something about the vaccine that probably isn't true in terms of like uh, they think there's bad stuff in it or, you know, they just don't want chips. Yeah, they don't want to take it for that reason. <laughs> the other reason, which is a little bit more because even though the first one is probably more irrational of the two reasons, I, I understand that rationale more than I understand the second one I'm about to talk about. The second one is more of like people who don't like or who see the uh, the requiring or the uh, the government pushing of vaccine as a as an encroachment on liberty. And they use that as a reason to justify not getting the vaccine. So as if they're giving like as if them refusing the vaccine is some kind of, you know, protest or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And to me, that is the one that makes the least amount of sense or, because it's like, OK, I understand. I can understand the idea that you if you don't think the government should be able to tell you what you can and cannot put into your body. I understand that. But that is not and that's not a good reason to not get a vaccine. You know yeah, what I that's mean? That's a good point. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about it that way. I, I figured <laughs> those were going to be your two things. But the way you said it is more like. Like I, I totally wrap my head around um, 
the liberty idea and not uh-huh. letting the government force things into you. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that this is the one. It, what it what it <laughs> right. means is that you should just be able to choose based on the vaccine itself. Right. And point, and right? most yeah. And in most places, um, you you still have. I mean, in any place at this point you still have a choice. Like the choice is still yours whether or not to get the vaccine. Now, private mm-hmm. businesses can choose what they want to do in terms of who they want to let in without a vaccine and blah, 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 and all that. And I think governments can even, like localities uh, can even decide, you know, in their counties what, you know, how the businesses behave and whatnot. But like at, even even if you can't go to Sizzler or whatever without being vaccinated, it, you're not being forced to take the vaccine. And I think mm. refusing to take the vaccine because you don't like government intrusion on your body, I think is just a it's it's a false equivalence. Mm. Um, you may not like the fact that the government requires you to wear a seatbelt by law, but that doesn't mean you should not enjoy the 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 safety of wearing a seatbelt. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're not connected. They're not connected at all. They're literally and, just not connected. And they've become connected, which is very weird. I think it's a very strange thing. I guess if um, I guess if you don't if you don't trust the vaccine, so the first of of your reasons, mm-hmm. um, and that's your reason to not get it. I guess there's a separate question of whether businesses should be allowed to mm-hmm. um, to because because I mean we talked about discrimination plenty, but maybe not like this. Like where wh- at what point is it? Um, like justifiable and at what point is it like bordering on like something like discrimination mm-hmm. where you know yeah. i have to make you a cake if you're gay but i i can refuse to make you a cake if you're not vaccinated right well see the thing is well one <laughs> one uh you know i think there's a false equivalence there of being uh gay and refusing to take a vaccine like i i would argue that one is something that you cannot choose and one is the, you know, the epitome of choice in terms of the vaccine. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't think you should discriminate against people. Like, I don't think a business should be able to discriminate against someone based on what, you know, based on something they didn't choose. You know what I mean? Um, but I think you should totally be able to discriminate against people based on the decisions that they make. I think that's uh, I think that's a fair, you know, within reason. Um, I don't think you should be able to discriminate. I don't think you should be able to not allow someone to come into your store because they chose to dye their hair red. Um, but in terms of like, so like, cause you can't go, but, into- but, don't you think, but, but don't you think that that's like, that's the, the I think the line is actually closer because mm-hmm. I wasn't born vaccinated. The government's going to make me get vaccinated or I can't participate in society. No, you can't participate in society. Well, I can't go to, you know, are people are allowed to discriminate against me based mm-hmm. on a new criteria that the government came up after, came up with after I was born. Right. I'm, um, say that again. Just so I know so where you're coming from. Uh, uh-huh. the, the idea here is that, um, I was fine. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was, I was me and I had all my, whatever vaccines you're supposed to have up until college or something is probably when we get our last required ones. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's high school. Um, and then the government decided out of nowhere that now you have to have this new vaccine. And now society's al- allowing people to, um, allowing businesses to discriminate people, discriminate people, discriminate against people for not signing up for something. 
Well, I think the issue is... As opposed to do signing up for something. Right. I think the issue is safety, though. I think that's the grounds that Mm. restaurants are discriminating on because restaurants have always had that power. Like, you can't go into a restaurant with no shoes on and no shirt on. I mean, we've all seen the sign. Um, And I think they've... You know, you weren't born with shoes or a shirt on, but you have to wear those to get into a restaurant. they don't make you wash your hands. They don't make you... That's true. They don't make you wash your hands. (laughs) Take a shower or, you know. Yeah. Um, Don't normally enforce that. Yeah. I mean, do you think a restaurant should be able to um, not let you in if you're not vaccinated or if you're not? um, I don't know. I think I think the part that I probably more sympathize with is, uh, I guess, just the hysteria around covid. Right. Where it's like people come into your restaurant all the time that have more community like like uh, disease that are more contagious than covid or whatever. Right. right? Or, Or more. Uh, more deadly than COVID all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think the hysteria around COVID um, is is annoying to me. Um, mm-hmm. And the peer pressure or like societal pressures that go along with it in terms of the way that we, like society as a whole, the, the, the politicization of it, if you say that word that way, um, <laughs> has made... Uh, made people even more segmented mm-hmm. um, and oddly judgmental in every scenario and just just generally like it's just damaging and so I don't know I guess anything that um, makes it worse bothers me yeah um, so maybe maybe that's my only hesitation yeah um, I, I like think- I, I would almost like I've, I've been vaccinated I probably got vaccinated before almost anybody because teachers were among the first ones unless somebody's medical but mm-hmm. um, in February like right when it came out and uh, I'd be annoyed about like needing to show vaccination cards um, just because I think that that's like a really weird just weird it's a really weird way to go about life where these people are allowed and these people aren't um and we don't do that we that's not really the way that things have ever operated before but i mean we do do that with age and we do that with driver's licenses right but not not something that's new that's the part that i think is different like i think um so so the way that my wife's work did it in mm-hmm. terms of vaccination um is that it's basically grandfathered in where if you currently work there you don't have to get vaccinated any new employee has to be vaccinated mm-hmm um, and I actually think that that's pretty fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that, I don't know, could be translated into society as a whole. What does your wife do? Um, uh, she works for ADP. It's a like tax and payroll company. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she hasn't gone to work. Uh, but a lot of people, because the, any, any organization that works with the government, sorry, the government has to do a lot of antiquated stuff. So mm-hmm. they have a ton of people that are in the office cause they literally have to mail stuff in to certain states like certain states don't even have electronic filing um so anyway it's those people that are in the office right now that are dealing with this so if they have new hires they have to be vaccinated they already work there um it's like optional so i don't know i think uh you know uh, i'm i'm generally all up for uh um you know private businesses being able to do whatever they want but it doesn't feel like private business is doing whatever they want. It feels like um, like peer pressure for businesses, right? Which is why mm-hmm. certain ones have taken extreme stands um, where they're like, 
you know, this is a non-vaccination place, so this is a only vaccination place, plus masks. And it becomes like serving people as like a political statement mm-hmm. um, based on the way that it's almost part of a, like a marketing thing, right? Mm-hmm. We see, we've seen examples of this. It's like literally a marketing thing. Like we're the cowboy bar. So, you know, screw vaccines. You're not allowed to come in if you're vaccinated or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just so dumb and like not the point. Um, and I don't know. It just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, I generally don't, well, I guess there are two different questions. Like should vaccines be required? like on society as a whole, mm-hmm. right? Cause isn't that what Biden's been like, there was at least one statement where he was like talking about like, you know, really clamping down and, and making this happen. Mm-hmm. And then the other question is whether businesses can. Um, and I don't think, um, I don't think the government should be able to come up with new things and force people to take them. Um, like I think the grandfathering thing is okay uh, because that's a really scary proposition um, in terms of like the liberty part of things, right? Like what else could they shove down our throats and make us take them if that were allowed um, mm-hmm. on, on like a whim as opposed to, you know, down the road. See, on and, stuff like this. But the other one I think is different. On stuff like this, I'm ki- I kind of lean more populist. Mm-hmm. And like in situations like this, I, I totally would not be opposed to just doing a popular vote on how the government should behave. Um, because like fundamentally, like if we, if the, you know, the fundamental, I guess, premise of democracy is like, you know, the government should be acting on behalf of as many of the people that it says that it's acting on behalf of as possible. So if, you know, 75% of the country, you know, doesn't mind vaccinations being mandatory, like why not just have that be a vote? And well, so that's kind of what's happening in terms of just where people are living, or yeah. where they're servicing, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And like, so they keep, keep hearing, hearing people talk about this like medical apartheid. And I don't necessarily, like, I, I think the word apartheid should just not be thrown around because it, <laughs> right. it really is just, it's kind of like, well, you're a Nazi. Like, okay, well, yeah. that word doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah. But anyway, um, it's, uh, so my, 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 uh, people are, people are organizing themselves like this naturally in the U S in the ways in ways that they aren't in other countries, mm-hmm. which I don't think is a good thing. Uh, I think it's a scary thing. Um, but so my father-in-law was like, you know, I'm, he, he, so he's funny because he's fully vaccinated too. Um, mm-hmm. but he's totally against like vaccination mandates. But, um, anyway, he, he was talking about, you know, I'm just surprised that, you know, people in the U S aren't rising up in the way that they are, you know, in like Australia against, you know, all the lockdowns and stuff that have happened there. Um, and I said, well, the, he's like, you know, I don't think this country can, can stay one for much longer. And I'm like, well, that's the beauty of the U S is we're decentralized enough that people from California or New York, they just moved to Texas or Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if that's a bad thing, but like that is a solution, right? So, so you could have a popular vote, um, but it doesn't even need to be nationwide. It could just be like based on the state. But mm-hmm. then what happens? We're going to have like, like this is very hypothetical um, uh, thought experiment kind of stuff. But then what? Like Texas is going to be like the nation of the unvaccinated and California is going to be the nation of the vaccinated. And then then our differences are even larger. And then, you know, they vote 100 percent Trump and we vote 100 percent Hillary, which is, you know, at least we have some diversity in our states. I don't know. I think that there are a lot of maybe maybe this is maybe I'm learning this on the fly, but this that's a 
uh, our society is so segmented as it is. Um, I think there are weird implications, weird implications of this um, that I've seen in my own family because half my family is not vaccinated um, and won't get vaccinated. So, um, and and it makes people, uh, it excludes people. And I, and, and I don't know what that, I don't know what we're supposed to think of people that don't get vaccinated. I don't know what the right answer is, but there are some people that literally say, I hope you get COVID and die. Right. <laughs> um, that's that, that kind of shit goes viral on, on Twitter all the time. Mm. Um, which is awful, but yeah. I don't know. I really don't know to be honest. So I don't, I, I guess the question for me comes down to in terms of like policy and how the government should behave. Mm. I guess to me, it depends on like what, what, what is the agreed upon definition of a pandemic and how do we know when we're in one or not in one anymore? That's the most important question to me because if, if, Whenever we're out of the pandemic, COVID was over this summer. <laughs> yeah. COVID was over. I don't know like if you know, but I don't know if you've been to Miami. But COVID ended in like in May. Yeah. Um, no, but I'm curious because like if we're not in a state of emergency in terms of like spreading and all that kind of stuff in ICU beds and hospitals and stuff like that, and, and if we're so if we're out of if we're in a safer zone in terms of that, um, and then also if if everyone in the country has had a reasonable, you know, opportunity and amount of time and the chance to get the vaccine, then I feel like at that point you can stop any and all, you can leave every sort of precaution up to the individual at that point. Um, Absolutely. That's like the fairest, that's like the fairest way to do it. Like if you haven't gotten vaccinated at this point, you, it's that you don't want to get vaccinated and you don't mind taking that risk. And if, if, if that's the case, so be it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. but I just don't know I, because I don't have all the data in front of me. Um, and, and this is a larger issue because that data is not readily available to everyone in a simple and easy way for everyone to see. And, and the CDC and the federal government has been doing a very bad job of communicating that type of stuff with any consistent basis in reality. Um, no one knows where the where a pandemic begins and where it ends you know what i mean so like if we're just in one forever well i mean i i I don't know are we just going to be in one forever i don't know what what is the i wonder what the definition of the of a pandemic is and how do we like how does the cdc like classify a a pandemic yeah i think i think the only time you know the government should be able or should be stepping in is when you know the people give them the authority to do so right but um Mm -hmm. and also when the people can't regulate themselves which is like a slippery statement i probably would clean that up a different time but i think the only justification for lockdowns and stuff and and any kind of restrictions from Mm -hmm. the government level which is different question than than businesses obviously is the flatten the curve thing or Mm -hmm. um or uh you know because there literally aren't hospital beds outside of that it seems like it should be up to the individual so the government communicates to the populace um like these are the risks these are this is the these are the precautions that we offer up to you you can get a vaccine you can wear a mask um and then it's up to you mm-hmm. if you're scared stay at home if you're good go out um it, but if but if you guys get too crazy then we might have to lock you down because we just literally are running out of hospital beds um because i'm i mean i'm 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 a really high risk person just in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it seems weird to me that I have to regulate myself, regulate myself based on other people's feelings. Mm-hmm. 
because that's what it comes down to is like literally is the populace like are the majority of people okay with being locked down or are the majority of people not okay with it right Mm -hmm. um that's kind of the way that the consent kind of works i guess Mm -hmm. um whether we buy into it or not so i don't know i think it's i think it's pretty complicated i guess it just makes me sad that now we got another we got more to divide us um Mm -hmm. but i also think that my wife my wife made this comment and um I hadn't really thought of it this way, but she said, uh, you know, before the vaccine came out, I thought this was what, what all, what we all were waiting for. Mm-hmm. Basically it was a curve ball. Like everybody was ready for COVID and people were like, Oh yeah. When the vaccine comes out and then all of a sudden it came mm-hmm. out and maybe, maybe it was because it came out when Biden was president. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of a sudden it came out and it became like the biggest issue, which is like just not normal. And like, mm-hmm. And when, before the vaccine came out, like right, right before it came out, when, when I started getting rumblings of people like not being happy with it, I remember being just like, shut up. Like you guys don't know anything about science in the first place. When you get COVID, where are you going to go? You're going to go to the doctor. Like it, to me, it's the most bizarre thing to um, like from a science perspective. If you like don't know what's in it, you don't know what anything is in that you're taking. Like. You don't know what the hell Tylenol even does to your body, right? <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying they're remotely the same, but yeah. you go to the you go to the store and you buy shit that says I have a headache, take this. I have diarrhea, take this. And you don't know you can't pronounce anything's on the label. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden you're everybody's, you know, an armchair expert on science. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one that's one point. And then the other point uh, is that I think we really need to teach people the way that science works. Um, mm-hmm. because we have the one side of like science believers and then like the anti-science people and they're both wrong about science. Mm -hmm. The one side, the science believers think that science is objective. And then the Mm -hmm. anti-science people are anti-science because they, they see that science is wrong sometimes. So they also think that science projects itself as being objective, Mm -hmm. but science has messed up plenty of times. The point is that it's just, and, and David Hume talks about this, in terms of a human understanding is that all we can do is operate according to the best evidence available and we're justified in doing so even if we're wrong because that's literally all we have and that's Mm -hmm. the way science works Mm -hmm. so if we take this vaccine and we're wrong oh well we're wrong because that's literally all you could do is take Mm -hmm. the evidence that was in front of you and so we have these two groups that hate each other and they're both wrong about science Mm -hmm. um uh, to make science like your platform from the democratic party is always going to screw you always going to screw you right mm-hmm. we used to think that the earth was the center of the universe and science said so mm-hmm. and what happens when that's wrong you're screwed right you're literally just screwed you, you better start apologizing or something so anyway um those are kind of my two high horse statements on that i don't even remember what the first one was now <laughs> no it's fine um i think there's I, I think there's a conversation to be had uh about institutions and um where we get our information i think um this this from from what i can see it started with trump um you know spending four years you know basically villainizing and undermining uh uh fake news media yeah news media and things like that to where and then and then the news media instead of um you know taking a firm stance 
towards you know upholding objective truth and things like that they mm-hmm. oftentimes sunk down and played trump's game and played to his level because the fi- to be frank the financial the financial in- uh, incentives for them to do so were, were very present yeah any so, more clicks yeah so we get to a point where no one at first you know trump trump is in the and the people like trump are sowing seeds of distrust with um with institutions based on false pretenses but then when that deranges those institutions to behave in the very ways that you know trump right. and, and the people like that we're talking about well then it, it it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and so now we have a bunch of news outlets and, and information outlets that nobody trusts and you know and there's good reason why people have stopped trusting those things because we've seen them behave um poorly over the past four or five years and i think because of that uh combined with the rise of social media and the rise of people getting their news from um decentralized very um um niche and very um localized siloed outlets i think has led to people the like there is no shared objective reality about any any ideas anymore in the united states um and and I think that's a hard place to be in when you have to have a democracy and when you have to have people who are voting on things, you have to have people that have opinions on things, because if your opinions are not based on a shared sense of reality, then there, we, we can't even begin the conversation. You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of where we are right now. And, and I think vaccine, this vaccine issue is like the perfect storm for this to happen. Like it's 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 a thing that like. It, it's a uh, it's a it's a it's an issue that we're up against that is almost entirely comprised of um, policy decisions and opinions on how you know we should behave moving forward based on evidence. And if we can't agree on what the evidence says objectively, which we can't seem to be able to do, um, then there's just no hope for progress on this front. You know, it's just when 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 there's no shared sense of reality, people just align to. Um, you know the talking points are they aligned to the ideological pillars of whatever side they find themselves on and i think that's really dangerous um and and you see it you see it a lot man like i think that's why identity politics has become a a, a such a a rampant thing in our, in our society like people's you know people have been boiling down their you know the entirety of who they are as a human being and a human consciousness they've been boiling it down to you know their alignment with certain political ideologies and i just think that's like like that's crazy like yeah. the, the way that people you know it's made um, me less political because i just don't <laughs> want a part of it right like the way the like it's such a new thing where like and i think it's an overcorrection to people feeling like they're, they're who they are has not been validated for so long that i think people like it's an overcorrection to now people are identifying almost and only with certain political like identify like identifying markers so like mm. you know someone will put it like look at people's instagram bio it's you know it's their it's their name sometimes um <laughs> and then you know and then it's their 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 gender pronouns now what they what they do for a living and then oftentimes some kind of symbol like an emoji that represents sort of where they are ideologically maybe it's an american flag maybe it's black lives matter link um mm. And so right away, before you've even began, my favorite, my favorite, my favorite like protest against that. And we can talk about the pro down things later. That's a really, really hot topic. Uh But, um, 
I saw somebody on Twitter. It just made me laugh. Somebody had their pronouns as dick and dickhead. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> like, yeah. I was just such a curveball because it, I, I was expecting to see actual um, actual pronouns there. But yeah. anyway. No, and uh, and all I, all I was saying was I think that, uh, yeah, like, so before you even begin to tell someone, like, who you are as a person all you're you know all you're presenting them with is a is a checklist of you know political you know identity markers and and that and then you gauge whether you want to engage with that person or something based on yeah and and it's their laundry list yeah and it's and and a lot of times it's that that mentality is in is informing the way people treat other people they're not treating people they don't consider themselves a complete person because all they see is well i'm a i'm a black cis male uh progressive um who thinks you should be vaccinated like i've told you nothing about myself all i've done is told you you know some check marks some check boxes that i mark off and then they're going around and treating other people like a set of check boxes and i just think that's really unfortunate you know what i mean yeah, like, it's really bad. I'm it's, totally against it. Yeah, I've, I avoid so, all those types of questions on, um, on uh, like whenever I have to fill out some kind of survey that has demographics. Mm-hmm. I just uh, I avoid all those kinds of questions because uh, I don't want to participate in that. Um, and mm-hmm. I think it's totally meaningless. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is you said a lot of really interesting things and a lot of things I wanted to respond to. Mm-hmm. Um, but one because you brought up the the race thing. I don't think we've talked about this before. Um, okay. I want to go back to some of the things you said before, but this one I'm going to forget if I don't talk about. So teaching at a community college, they, they sign up for that, the whole identity game, um, just so hugely. Um, what do you mean by and that? In what way? Um, all of our, well, they're just obsessed with, demographics and how the demographics relate to um, student performance and so many of our meetings are related to demographics Mm -hmm. um, and how that relates to student performance and then we're supposed to talk about um, like how we're going to fix these problems literally looking at the student body as check boxes (laughs) yeah 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 and then and then we're supposed to solve the problems right so I was in this I had to be in this like focus group where we talked about um you know, why our black uh, student population is, you know, performing the worst and what we're going to do to solve it. Mm-hmm. And the ideas were just absolutely nuts to me. And I, I, I tried, I was kind of like just not really participating, but, but I so disagreed with the whole thing I had well, to say. What something. were some of the ideas? Well, let me tell you what I said okay. in response. Um, so I was like, I, I tried to say this as softly as possible, but I'm like, so the way that we're treat, yeah, I'll give you the ideas because the I'll get, come back to the idea. So I said, you know, the way we're treating this problem is as if like blackness is a problem. Mm. That's the way we're talking about it. We're saying that black means you're going to do bad in school. And how do we compensate for people being black? Like that was like the conflict. That was basically the way the conversation was going, where it was like, okay, that, you know, in order to solve black student success, the ideas were like, you know, we need more black mentors on campus or like black student groups or whatever. The point is that they're, they were like seeing black as a problem, black being the reason that people aren't doing poorly. So then we need to have black solutions to these black problems. And so I said, like, what is it? What is it that this group or any really just any group 
but but how do we how do we actually take this data and say what is it that they're underperforming in right so if, if student success is 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 bad across the board um what would be a way more interesting thing is are they struggling with math are they struggling with reading are they like what is it that's actually school related that that, that you can work on and have measurable things are because basically what they want to do is they want to say black students aren't doing well so we're going to come up with our abstract solutions for black people and then hopefully the statistics change in terms of success but those aren't necessarily connected at all but what is it that they're what is it that your students are struggling with that's that's affecting them not doing well in school or have you just asked them and then what solutions can we come up with and um i was talking to my buddy that i i i um he's one of my best friends we play golf every friday um and he went to an hsbcu wait hbcu mm-hmm. i said h i keep saying hsbcu because of the bank <laughs> hbcu and um he was like but we already have all of this because mm-hmm. i was like what do you think because he used to be a teacher too now he's a lawyer and i was like you know you know you know what these meetings are like you know mm-hmm. how this goes and he's like yeah but you know i w- i was there like I, I went to i went to famu and we already like pretty much all the professors are black all your mentors are black and and that's like we have all these this leadership but but at the same time, the thing he said that is also true is he said, you know, there are ne- unique problems, you know, for the black community that are different for others. But what are those problems? I don't know. The whole the whole conversation just made me really mad because it just felt like racist where it's like you're we're literally acting like black is the problem here. I don't know. I'm interested to know what some of the ideas were being put forward that made you frustrated. Those were them. It was like, oh, we oh, need. Okay. We need more black leaders. We need black. Uh, we need uh, like we need to have seminars where, where, uh, where you know somebody from outside our community can come talk talk to the black students or or and, whatever. And, it was just it was and this just is me- just a meeting full of teachers. Yeah, just a meeting full of teachers. Mm-hmm. I see. I think that's already starting on the wrong foot. I think <laughs> I think if you want to find out what will help students do better, you got to talk to the students. Like yeah, first yeah, and foremost, you know what I mean? Like you have to like instead of assuming what people need based on what little people know about demographics and sociology and stuff like that. Why not just have conversations with the students about what you feel like you need to be supported? I think, right. And, and I guarantee you're not going to ask a black student. And they're going to be like, well, my problem is that I'm black. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. they're going to tell you that I'm struggling in math or I'm struggling whatever it is. You right. Know? And, 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 so. and to be to be fair, though, I do think sometimes there are um, there are cultural differences in the way people communicate that do make that can make learning difficult sometimes for mm, for people absolutely. who are with uh, not within that culture. But that's not mm. limited to blackness. That's limited. I mean, that's that could be anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if I come from a society where like we, you know, you know, think about math, the way math is taught a lot of times, especially at the higher levels, math is very conceptual and like it's communicated a lot of times through analogies and uh, and examples and things like that. But if mm. culturally I don't relate to any of the examples that you're talking about well i'm just as lost as i was when we were staring at a bunch of numbers and letters you know what Mm -hmm. i mean and i think those things do exist um you know and and is it the overarching like biggest factor i don't i mean i don't know i don't have that data but i do think that that is a thing i think it, it has to come down to one we have to stop treating every school and every community of students as if they're all the same and just this monolithic you know experience they're arbitrary lines right right like one of one of one of my 
probably at, well at Barstow. I've, mm-hmm. I've had like three crazy good students, and probably the best student in philosophy I ever had at Barstow was black. Mm-hmm. So what does she have in common? Like she has nothing. And I, I even said that in the meeting. I was like, mm-hmm. but she has like she. You're gonna act like she's the she's a problem. Like mm-hmm. she's she's not having problems. She went to Berkeley. Like yeah. she's, she's not having any problems. Yeah. Days. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, like we. I we, disagree with what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, uh, schooling has to get to a a place where it's more. Um, um, I don't know what the word is more, I guess, intentional to use a, uh, you know, a word, but it has to get to a point where it's more, um, what is the word like qualitative, I guess, in terms of the approach, like, or just directly solving or just directly approaching like the problem itself. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. And I guess holistically might be another word too. Yeah. Um, to where you're actually, because a lot of times the problems that need to be addressed on school campuses are oftentimes problems that they may have symptoms that that end up manifesting as lower grades in certain areas or things like that but the problems themselves have nothing to do with that subject and more to do with the culture of the campus or some other kind of Mm -hmm. intangible thing so i Mm -hmm. think there has to in order like obviously every school should be on a constant trajectory towards being uh, becoming a better version of itself just like every person should be doing that but the only way to do that is to be is to have real in-depth consistent um analysis into what's going on in the school based on the experience of the people in it so it has to be this ongoing conversation between the people in charge and the student body um with a shared sense of reality of what's going on that's based on experience and not necessarily all right well let's let's just look at these numbers and make some assumptions you know what i mean yeah exactly just make a bunch of assumptions that's that's Mm -hmm. the way it felt um so i don't know half of me just wanted to get that off my chest (laughs) uh we don't have to linger that uh linger on for a while but um but so the one the when you were talking about like the shared reality um Mm -hmm. and like with the with the fake news media which i use that term all the time now because i think it's just hilarious (laughs) yeah i swear i've never heard those three words strung together before yeah um but fake news media um well, I think you're completely right in terms of like the there's no interface of uh, mm-hmm. um, no shared no shared reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I've been thinking about a lot is it seems like well, one I sympathize with that because I always will be talking to somebody mm-hmm. and they'll be talking about something just crazy, like I don't even know what the hell they're talking about, and then I'll I'll usually ask for like a source, mm-hmm. and it's something I can't even figure out how they possibly found, you know how did you even get down this wormhole? Cause my internet doesn't have this, right? <laughs> um, this is a weird, right. Um, but, uh, uh, and so I think it's common for our generation to have gripes against that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. against people just believing whatever the hell they want to believe. But I, I've been thinking about it a lot more. Um, and I'm actually not sure what's scarier. Um, because mm-hmm. what did, what did the news media look like in like the 1920s when, you know, when, you know, William Randolph Hearst or whatever his name is, Hearst who, Hearst, yeah, Hearst Castle, that guy, who oh, owned yeah, like yeah. half the newspapers in America mm-hmm. and published whatever the hell he wanted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and not even many people had radios and definitely there weren't any TVs and all they had were newspapers that he printed whatever the hell he wanted. Um, and it's funny because we, we don't, people almost look, people, it's very common people say like, oh, journalism's dead or like, when well, I missed the golden age of journalism. I was like, 
shit, the, the golden age of journalism was that there was like a silo where they had all the information and they made up and published whatever they want. So I was reading about something recently that I'd never heard about. There was a plot to overthrow the U.S. government. I think it was 1934. Mm-hmm. I think it's called the business plot of 1934. And it was a bunch of, it was when FDR was elected. It was right I don't, you know, he served like nine terms, so I don't know when this was in his presidency. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this was the first term, but it was like right when he was coming up with the New Deal. Um, and and historians look back at it and treat it as like this was a very real threat to the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. Well, it was basically a bunch of really wealthy business owners that came up with this idea for the coup because the, you know, they were going to smash communism and the new deal and socialism and whatever, Well, they control all the newspapers. And if you go look at the newspapers from the time, um, they portrayed it all as a hoax. The guy who was the whistleblower that they tried to get involved in their plot, who was a veteran, um, went bef- like reported them to like, you know, the government and testified before Congress and basically all the news stations said that um, it was a scam and he was making it all up. And that's scary. That's really scary. Um, and historians in terms of research now look back at it and say that it was, a, you know, it was a very real threat that was just manipulated by this single news source um, that were this consortium of guys that were looking out for each other's interests. Um, and that's pretty... I don't know what's better. I don't know. I've been thinking about that for the past couple of weeks. Um, I actually don't know what's better uh, between the two. So th- this might perk your ears up. Um, I think the future of news and how we reestablish and reinvent our institutions to make them trustworthy again, because I'm not one of those people who believes that. Oh, it's fine. All of the Substack journalists and independent podcasts and things like that; those will just be our news outlets. And CNN mm-hmm. and Fox News and and the Wall Street Journal and shit—they can just burn. I, I, I'm not—I'm not a person who believes in that because I do think institutions. Uh, if we want to have liberty and we want to have democracy in any form, like you have to have institutions where people can go and and get. Um, reliable information from which we all can base our decision making off of. You need that. Um, right. uh, you need it. Uh, just like in school, you can have a bunch of different teachers, but you need a core curriculum um, so that we're all in touch with the same reality. You can't have teachers teaching that one plus one is six. Um, but um, I think the future of news and information is probably going to be rectified with blockchain. Um, I think there will be some kind of blockchain solution that um, I I imagine that there will be some sort of like universal um, news and information aggregator that um, people will go check the way that they check a Twitter feed or the way they check Instagram. And it'll be just a news outlet of news stories that have been um, algorithmically sorted through and 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 collated and things like that i don't know if even that's a word to use in that situation but uh information that's been gathered across all of the different news sources that are reporting and Mm -hmm. algorithmically um the elements that are most true based on you know the the number of different 
independent journalists reporting it and uh, the, the, you know, a careful analysis of all the the contextual clues and, and all the information that we have and the edit evidence that we have and the data that we have, all of that com compiled and sifted through in real time, you know, with algorithms and stuff like that. And then uh, fortified as a as being real, quote unquote, or fortified in some way using the blockchain to like so that everyone checking the feed knows that like if you're seeing a story on this feed, it has been vetted to the fullest extent of human knowledge at this current point in history. Um, yeah. I think something like that has to exist. Um, and I think it's we're just around the corner from it because, um, you know, so we have to have essentially the Facebook news feed or the Instagram news feed or the Twitter timeline or whatever. But a version of that, that instead of the algorithms trying to select for information that we that you would is the that most like. yeah <laughs> that you don't like yeah. or is the most likely to keep you on the app. It has to select for the information that is most likely to be true and the most pertinent to the most uh, number of people at any given moment. Like I think we have to have something like that. Like the someone has to create the opposite Twitter, like the anti Twitter, you know? Um Yeah, so have you heard of Chainlink? No, no, what is that? So uh, or a crypto oracle. Mm -mm. Um, what you're describing is called the oracle problem. Mm -hmm. um, and I think blockchain is crazy liberating and cool in so many ways, but also really scary in other ways. Okay. Um, the way that you describe, what you're describing is, is, uh, is what oracles are supposed to do. I'll describe that in a second, mm -hmm. but they also have crazy scary implications too and i'm not sure how i feel about it so examples of of oracles are um chainlink which is the biggest one it's like top 15 cryptocurrency uh band protocol um teller is another one trb anyway the problem is that uh so like bitcoin is inter internally coherent uh there's no new data it's just this one spreadsheet bitcoin gets mined whatever um, mm -hmm. All it does is validate its own transactions. Um, what an Oracle does is bring data into the blockchain, which is what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So the way that Oracles are currently used and plan to be used um, is to is to bring like indisputable data onto the blockchain to verify it. Mm -hmm. um, and so a way that this might be used like currently just in terms of like business supply chains is um, maybe you, you're, um, uh, I don't know, you ship, you ship meat, mm -hmm. you ship meat and you need to know, uh, you need to know the temp, the temperature of the meat. I don't know anything about meat, but let's just say it has to stay below 30 degrees or something like that's, that's okay. like the, yeah. let's say that hypothetically, that's what Kobe beef needs to be at when it comes over from Japan. All right. Sounds good. Totally making this up. It needs to be 30 degrees. Um, and so an Oracle, um, might have the capability to be constantly monitoring that, um, and be tamper proof and verifying that that's actually legit. Um, mm -hmm. and so it has a business solution. Mm -hmm. Um, but you could do the same exact thing, theoretically, um, with anything on Earth, which is kind of what you're talking about, right? So mm -hmm. um, you theor theoretically could have something like an oracle verifying information in the real world, mm -hmm. like, like this idea that – so like one of the things that people are 
really skeptical skeptical about with COVID is how many people have actually died, right? So you talk to some people and they're like, well, you know, hospitals get more money if they have COVID deaths. So they're marking, you know, more COVID deaths or whatever, right? Um, they're, they're making that up or, or maybe the opposite is true that um, people are saying there are less. And so you get these different outlets reporting different numbers. So hypothetically, you'd have an Oracle reporting that information, gathering data from the real world as opposed to um, humans reporting it. Um, because mm-hmm. it's the human error that creates the bias in these things. Um, so we're getting there. That's a solution. Uh, I encourage you to, to look in the chain link and, and oracles in general. Um, right now, it's mostly used for um, uh, uh, like uh, price feeds um, mm-hmm. or, or in, in inventory and stuff, like stuff that's already digitally available, but not necessarily verified. And I don't understand all the math that goes along around it. But the scary thing about it is it also becomes like a crazy good way to surveil everything. Mm-hmm. So there's a hypothetical other scenario that instead of being like liberating and giving us a bunch of truth, it's the ultimate surveillance machine for everything that's going on in the whole world. And mm-hmm. they're connected to these smart contracts on something like Ethereum. Mm-hmm. Um, and a smart contract being you know some preset code that executed executes when certain conditions are met. Right? So let's say... A, like hypothetically, this is like where AI and the and chain and oracles and blockchain would all go. That's like really friggin' scary, where society is just run by smart contracts, monitored by smart contracts. So like, you break into a house, and um, then the smart contract literally just executes you, um, like immediately because because those are the conditions that are met, um, and someone wrote that code. Or whatever, like you could, you could theoretically monitor all of society and govern all of society by hooking it all up to the blockchain um, with some sort of AI type scenario. So anyway, yeah, I, I, I think that there's a scenario where that happens. I just don't know if it's. Um, I'm scared whether it's good or or not because even it, it would also only work for just raw data, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also a good thing, right? Because we have data problems too. People not mm-hmm. trusting the data because um, it's fake news media. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway. Yeah. Um, I think there has to be some sort of human element involved in terms of um, uh, being able to quantify people's experience with certain news outlets and that weighs into its sort of uh, truth score in some way. Um, the same way with um, like Amazon, you can look at Amazon sellers. Like, like, why did you like this? Yeah, like you can look at Amazon sellers and you can see, you know, um, you can see people's like rating of, you know, uh, and reviews of that seller as a as an entity, right? Like, not even necessarily about the product, but the, you can see seller reviews. You know, like this seller has mm-hmm. been honest, and and I, I look at those even off, oftentimes more so than the reviews of the product, um, mm-hmm. because you want to know that you know most people who deal with this place. Um, find them to be an upstanding seller you know what i mean i think there needs to be something like that too um uh that's built into the sort of the algorithm of whatever um of whatever is sifting through all the information you know something that that like hum- human interaction is part of because ultimately that's the the audience that the information is being fed to is human beings so like there needs to be some level of 
um, say in, you know, what sources people are liking, what they're not liking and why. So, yeah. So you, you made me think of something that, um, I actually thought that this is where you're going. Mm. Um, and I never, I never considered this before, but I think it's actually way more fascinating than the Oracle problem. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't know how you, how you report that kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. you, people would, people selectively review things, right? I only review things if I rave about it or I hate it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, which is a bias in itself, let alone what I actually leave. Mm-hmm. But I thought, I thought you might've been going a direction where like, um, if we could somehow detect based on, I don't know, body chemicals or brain chemistry or something or body, body movements where you take the reporting out of it and simply judge people's like objective reactions, whatever that means mm-hmm. to the source. And that sifted it. That sounds pretty interesting, right? Like mm-hmm. I could tell you that the reason I watch Fox news is because, you know, they're always factual but you hook me up to some electrodes and then make me watch Fox news and then see that I just like, you know, get off on the fact that, you know, they are, you know, hate transgender people on Fox news or something. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it actually has nothing to do with what I said. That could be interesting. That's pretty hypothetical, but it seems like there could be something there in terms of like removing the, removing like the liar part of it. Cause wouldn't they, cause according to your scenario, wouldn't they just go to the news outlets that they like still? Um, not if it's presented as all one feed, you know what I mean? Oh, right. If it's presented as one feed, um, and you can have a list of the different places that the information was gathered from, because what I'm imagining is this feed doesn't rely on any one source for an entire story. It Mm. surveys all of the, the given information on whatever the story is from every news source. And then it, Uh. it, and then it weighs everything together and presents a, like an aggregated story based on the most true things that it found you know okay now i get what you're saying like the way the way the way the way a scientific consensus comes like in you know Mm -hmm. like in a scientific community the same thing with news and information so it it might just hypothetically it might be like you know fox news headline is gays are bad and the cnn one is gays are good and then and then it spits out gays are okay or something um <laughs> yeah, yeah. like well, yeah it, it, it takes all the sources and i'm just using like the most biased thing possible right, right. as an example but it, it's it's not even necessarily looking for truth it's just looking for the middle ground and that's what it's presenting to you is that well, kind of what you're n- saying no not necessarily it is looking for truth ultimately and if it happens mm-hmm. to that the, the more true elements are being reported by you know a lot of the, the majority like so if say there's a story about um say there's a story about uh a forest fire right and every news out it's a big forest fire every news outlet is reporting about it um if 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 uh say that the building that burns down is a planned parenthood right that's that's mm-hmm. what starts it if if a left if left-wing news Obviously sources the proud boys did it yeah you don't even have to tell me the rest of the story <laughs> if, if left-wing news sources are reporting information that you know conspiracy theories that oh it was you know the proud boys or something like that um then it just so may happen that among the listing of like sources that you see on this given story if the if the news aggregator thing aggregates that um a uh 
they would say there was a forest fire that started with a Planned Parenthood building burning to the ground. Um, most you would see in the little the little display beneath it that most the 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 you would see the listing of all of the um, news outlets where the new where the the information was taken and maybe like a percentage of like how much of the what the story that you were seeing came from those outlets based on how true the the outlet was how truthful the outlet was being in their presentation of the story. You know what I mean? So like you know if you took any random issue like if you took a story about. Um, you know, the election, the presidential election, um, you would probably see in the aggregator, like most of the truthful elements were being reported by, you know, left leaning news outlets on this story, because, you know, there were a lot of right wing outlets promoting a lot of conspiracy theories. And you'd be able to see that. And I think Mm -hmm. if you were able to somehow um, quantify that and put that out, I think those numbers would would end up surprising people. And and I think it would work to divorce people from um sort of seeing uh, like party allegiance or ideology ideology ideological allegiance being like the main driving factor in where they get their news from um mm-hmm. and it would put the the emphasis and the value back on truth or above anything you know mm-hmm. and you would be able to see sometimes left leaning sources lie sometimes right leaning sources lie but we're here to try to get to the truth you know i think that there has to be something like that and maybe uh maybe the way that we get there is we start um having Fox News come out with um, reports and release them to, to the general populace as coming from CNN <laughs> yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. And then just see how people react. Because mm-hmm. um, I guarantee, guarantee so many people would be just because Fox News something, said something or just because CNN said something, mm-hmm. they'd believe it. And that'd be just a, I mean, it's it happens all the time and it's such a, that's a shame that it works that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other, the other, the other way to go about this that might be simpler than this and doesn't require blockchain or any of this is simply removing the financial incentive from news and information outlets. Yeah. Remove the, remove the incentive to compete based on, you know, how entertaining is our content versus your content. Just remove that entirely. Um, and there's plenty of ways to go about that um, that doesn't end in, you know, you know, only having state run media or anything like that. I think it could work the way science often works, where, you know, if you have if you want to have a news outlet, you've got to create the news outlet and then you have to apply to get some kind of grant um, that, you know, that you are awarded grant money for. And then that based on your legitimacy as an outlet and your ability to produce the news, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's based on truth and it's based on, you know, uh, a, a, you know, the, the grant accepting team is like base, you know, is a bunch of different people from all walks of life, different backgrounds and things like that, different political ideologies who are just vetting these news sources based on their ability to report truthfully and then the, mm-hmm. the ones who can do it the best and and you know and can do it consistently and effectively those are the ones that get the grant money to do it and just remove mm-hmm. ad incentives and all that kind of stuff i mean that is the way to go about it you know and you can grandfather in the big ones um, it's just who get, it's just who gets the who gets to divvy out the grant money right well i mean yeah whatever this like you know bias bias from there right in terms of that's why that whoever it is has to be a a coalition of people who have different views and opinions you know it can't Mm -hmm. just be whoever is in charge of the white house at that given moment (laughs) like it has to be 
and then Robert Mueller has to be the, the moderator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I really don't know much about him, but I just thought the way he went through the whole Russia investigation was pretty badass. Because he wasn't playing anybody's game. Like, everybody was mad at him. He was just like, he was basically like, I'm here to report the news. Like, he just, like, he had nothing to say other than, like, this is what we have. Now do with, with, with it what you want. And ever, all the Democrats were like, you know, throw him in prison and all the Republicans were, you know, fake news, whatever, this is a scam. And he was just above all of that. And I really don't know much about him outside of that, but I just thought that that was very respectable, what I knew about that whole entire investigation that he just, he didn't play anybody's game and everybody was mad at him for it. Um, yeah, cause, which and, seemed cool. And I think you could still, because I think the, the main argument against what I proposed is like, oh, well, then, you know, if the government's giving out the money, then they, you know, they can control the narrative. That's not necessarily true. You have the, mm-hmm. you have whatever the, you know, the, 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 what I'm talking about can be something where you go to get the information. So we have a trusted source of information. So you have like, if, if let's just say C uh, SPAN became the new, you know, it was, it's rebranded and re, you know, done up to, to be this, basically this, uh, government grant funded ran, um, mm-hmm. outlet for information and news stories. Um, not even news, not news stories in the sense of like articles and stuff like that. Just like headlines, and 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 here's what's happened. Here's what's here's are the facts of the situation and the empirical data that we have. And you can mm-hmm. still have Fox and CNN and MSNBC doing all of their like commentary. Like you can still have Fox and Friends talk about what the facts of the situation mean to conservatives and mm-hmm. and blah 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 and vice versa. But the difference is we we all have a shared sense of what the reality is even if it means different things to who we are based on what we believe ideologically we're all starting from the same ground truth i think that's the only thing that's really missing is we don't have that anymore um well you used to be church (laughs) yeah well i mean it used to be the new i mean it used to be the news at one point um Mm -hmm. before it even even when the news became partisan it still was it still was the news i think it I think during Trump's presidency is, uh, and I'm saying this, it's going to sound like I'm saying I'm putting this all on Trump. I'm putting some of it on Trump, but not all of it. I think what happened during the Trump presidency that really undid all of this was, A, he spent four years like trying to make this happen um, because it was beneficial for him. And then B... Um, it was a perfect storm because of these news outlets. They really let their hand show and they really like dipped into playing his game. And like once that happened, like once the news outlets showed that they're willing to um, indulge in their worst aligned incentives, uh, mm-hmm. I think at that point it's like there's you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Um, yeah. And that's why I think at this point you just have to take the burden of truth off of these uh, media outlets because they're not news outlets anymore. They're just media outlets. They are right. they are channels that give you some commentary on a bunch of different ideas with no central ground truth th- that is being agreed upon. And yeah, you can, and, sorry, and I, I think there's another part of it that I guess is dawning on me too is that with the proliferation of it, the internet and social media mm-hmm. is that we could monetize anything. Whereas what used to be the case is that in, you know, 1991, mm-hmm. nobody really, you know, before cable news, uh, NBC had to broadcast as moderate of a viewpoint 
Yeah, as agnostic because they as needed everyone. Possible. They were trying to get they everyone. They needed everybody. Yeah. We're trying to get everybody, and now we just get to get monetize any kind of random bullshit that'll just get more clicks. So that's what we do. Like we get stuff flashing all over the screen and whatever random ads, whatever people are going to click on. We just got way better at monetizing people's attention instead of trying to, you know. We knew that every American had at least bunny ears on their TV in 1991, and so they had they had NBC. Yeah, the news used to be a public service, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. not that anymore. That's true, it's not That's that. a good point. It used to be, you know, everyone in everyone who has electricity in their home is going to have access to a handful of channels. That way, if there's a weather emergency or mm. pertinent information that the population needs, you can have access to that as your public service. Like mm-hmm. it's not that anymore. Like the the news is now. Now, you know, it's it's just like any other content uh, outlet. Yeah. They're just competing for our attention and they're willing to do whatever it takes to get it. Any movie, any TV show, it's the same type yeah, of same thing. Um, same thing. That's yeah. interesting. I haven't really thought about it that way. Yeah, it's unfortunate, um, man. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just don't really watch the news or, or try, try to stay away from the news. And the only news I really watch is Yahoo. Or uh-huh. only thing I ever read is yahoo just because it's like the dumbest news ever and they right. and they have the most random crap as their headlines and so i'm yeah. like okay whatever i'm just gonna get yeah. my <laughs> couple things in and the the, um, the timelineification of the news on like social media platforms has made the problem even worse because if you sit down and watch before anything can be vetted everybody's already tweeted about it right right and <laughs> and if you watch if you if you sit down and watch cable news like if you watch cnn for an hour it becomes clear what their bias is and and even though they do have a bias because everyone has a bias but even yeah. though the company does have a bias when you sit down and actually watch the show like the show's on there for like uh, you know an amount of time you can become aware of the bias and then start to do the critical thinking on your own of like okay they're reporting this story this way now remembering their bias what is likely not true and not true about their reporting and then you can go independently verify that based mm-hmm. on like you can check other news sources that have similar bias- biases versus the opposite and all you can do all of that but mm-hmm. one that but takes nobody is one <laughs> right one that takes time and no one's going to do that uh and two most people are not getting their news from the TV anymore. So they're getting a hand-selected you know, handful of headlines every day from either news sources that are going to be perfectly aligned with what they want to hear to uh, outrage them or the opposite viewpoint that is guaranteed to outrage them. And it's being selected by factors that we're not even aware of. You know what I yeah. mean? And I think that's the problem. So you, you don't even realize... You, you could see a news story and because it's just this cherry pick news story that it, you're not even necessarily thinking about what the source is or anything. You're just seeing a news story and like, well, it's it's the news and it's uh, being shared by everyone. I guess it must have some truth to it. And it could be the wildest news source, you know, in the world with the every bias working against it. But because yeah. it showed up in your timeline, it feels verified, you know? Yeah. And and so one, one other thought on that is I've, I've actually bought into the the fake news media thing uh, quite a bit. What does that mean? Um, just uh, mainstream news sources having no idea what the hell they're talking about, regardless of the um, regardless of the bias. So uh, there's some psychological name for this, and I'm sure we find it in 12 seconds, but it says something like when you read a, a article on something that you're an expert in, and you can tell that the person who wrote it is not, and you're very critical of it, for whatever reason, we give 
the rest of the articles the benefit of the doubt. So, for example, any mainstream, I've never seen an article from a mainstream news source written by anybody who knows anything about Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And it's literally straight fake news. Like some of the like outright, and I, I can never really figure out, I think it's actually, I always give people the benefit of the doubt. So I don't really think that they're lies as much as a lot of Bitcoin people would say. I just think they don't know. They literally don't know what they're talking about and they're trying to, and Bitcoin's really complicated. And so they're just publishing like bullshit. Um, and the bias says that, you know, anybody can do that about anything, right? Um, there are certain things that anybody is an expert in that when they read an article from someone who isn't, they're like, wow, this sucks. But then we give the rest of the articles a benefit of the doubt. We don't realize that it's, it's actually us who's the expert. And this can be applied to almost any other topic, right? So when I read, a, when I read an article on, um, well, vaccinations, right? When I read an article on, on COVID, uh, I don't really know anything about COVID other than, you know, I'm sure you and I probably have similar levels of knowledge on COVID. And we don't know anything compared to, you know, actual scientists and researchers and stuff. Um, and so we read an article and we're like, oh, okay, well, this is probably true or something. But could, because we don't, actually, we don't actually know, we're not capable of critiquing that. As opposed to when I read a Bitcoin article, I'm like, dang, this is so stupid. Like, the, the, just as an example, it is good when the Bitcoin mining difficulty goes up. That's a good thing. What that means is that the network is being used more and it's, it's more secure. Um, there's more demand and there's more competition between miners and it makes it more decentralized. That means more miners are trying to mine Bitcoin. I read this article from Bloomberg or something talking about how, you know, miners are having trouble because the difficulty has gone up and how that's like a bad sign for Bitcoin. And it's like, this could not be more inaccurate could not be more inaccurate. Um, and it was published from a totally like, you know, respectable news. I don't even know what Bloomberg's bias is, but like something that people consume. And I'm sure we read stuff like that all the time. We're like, oh yeah, well, miners, Bitcoin, difficulty. Yeah, that sucks. Mm -hmm. that, they're not getting as many Bitcoins, yeah. but that's literally not what well, it means. That's why all. I think the solution so, has to be an AI solution um, primarily because we can't not, we don't have the capacity to, care about every single piece of information enough mm -hmm. to put to devote the human resources it would take in order to like really make sure that that bitcoin story is true based on the culture of bitcoin and what people are talking about about bitcoin like most of these news outlets don't have a bitcoin expert on staff because the interest just isn't there yet you know what i'm saying yeah. so like we can't allow in the same way that well, we they're already, they're already writing for a bitcoin news source if if you're if you're a journalist and, right. you, and you know about bitcoin <laughs> Yeah. So like if like in the same way, like um, in the same way we've allowed, um, you know, a computer to uh, in the same way that we've remo removed the human error from traffic signals um, because we've admitted that humans don't have the 
capacity to direct traffic in four different directions with the quickness and efficacy that we need uh, at, at the speeds that we're driving. So we've right. off, so we've outsourced that to a computer. The same thing is going to have to happen to the the verification and the propagation of news stories because we just don't simply have the capacity to care enough about every single element of every single story of every single news item being reported in order to make sure that it's truthful and well a, a good representation of whatever it is the topic is is at hand we have to we have to outsource it to machines we have to mm-hmm. we just don't have the capacity to do otherwise you know and then you know these are probably topics for another time because we've been on for a while but yeah and then how that relates to government is pretty crazy too because mm-hmm. you know there was a hearing between the head of the sec um gary gensler i think is his name and um uh what's her name elizabeth warren uh mm-hmm. was asking him questions and they were going back and forth and they were talking about crypto and you know this is the guy who's in charge with regulating this stuff mm-hmm. and in both of them don't know what the heck they're talking about interestingly she knows more which is not good i think she knows more because um well, frankly, I think she's smarter. Like, I don't necessarily like her, but I think she's really intelligent, and I think she's actually interested in knowing. Mm-hmm. She posts a lot of dishonest stuff, too. Or not dishonest stuff, a lot of wrong stuff, too, but I think that she actually takes the time to learn it, and this guy doesn't. Um, and they were just going back and forth debating to the extent that you know policy decisions might come out of it, and they literally didn't know what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. For an example, on a decentralized exchange... It's just on there in the internet. Anybody can use it, um, and it's just a free for all. Anybody can put a coin on there, put sell it for sale, and and you pay whatever fees the market offers up to you, and that's up to you. And I remember she asked him, you know, how do what what are the gas fees, you know, going to be on Ethereum? And a guy goes, Gensler goes, well, uh, you know, it's in the terms of the service for the exchange, and it's like, dude, you have. You literally have no idea what you're talking about. Nobody creates an account in decentralized exchange. There yeah. are no terms of service. You just sign up. You look at the fees. You either do it or you, like it's not a. Mm-hmm. It's it just couldn't be more wrong. And it's like, and they're in the Senate, right? Mm-hmm. They're in Congress. They're in Congress talking about this. So I don't know how it relates to government because that that could be scary too. Um, but but we saw it right. We saw when when they were interviewing the Google guy and the Facebook guys, and. Uh, <laughs> The, you know, Congress people were like holding up their phones and like, what were the stupid ass questions? Like, does my phone know where I am right now? Like, why when I search idiot on Google, does Trump come up? It's like, dang, you're making policy decisions and you, you don't, you don't know anything. Why do, why are we even doing this hearing? Like mm-hmm. you have Google on your phone, so you could go read about, you could actually go learn about this stuff. We don't need, there's no reason to bring the specialist in if you don't even know how search engines work in the first place. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a government answer or there's a government implication to what you're talking about, too. I don't know. I haven't thought about it, but um, maybe it's just crazy. <laughs> Man, it's sad. It is. It is. Uh, the information uh, crisis, I guess, is where we're at right now. And it's really unfortunate. But um, I'm, I'm hopeful about our ability to um, rectify the situation with technology um, cause that seems to be the way we've always done it. And I think, uh, I think this, this is not a problem. I don't think this is a problem we can't handle, you know what I mean? Or it can't mm-hmm. figure out. I think we can, it, it, it is deranging us and it, and it has very obvious negative effects. And I think, 
uh, COVID was something in the way, you know, COVID in the, the conversations, conversations around it and things like that. I think is the is a big example for people and it and it has made it a real issue for a lot of people this lack of shared reality and I think uh I think a lot of people will now be putting their brains uh into gear to try to figure out the solution and that makes me hopeful because I think we are um I think there's more smart people living now than there ever has been um I think just mathematically that has to be true. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm hopeful. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> More smart people. I don't know. People are easily critical of, um, of our sort of passive generation that has all the, all of our data at our fingertips, nothing to do with it, mm-hmm. but you're probably right. Probably more. There's probably, yeah. Intelligence has to be increasing. Yeah. Um, just with the sheer number of people on earth, like statistically, yeah, there's got to be more smart people than there, than there ever has been. I mean, I hope we're going somewhere, right? I think we whether are. it's to Mars with Elon, that's fine with me. Uninteresting to me, but that's cool. I, we got it. There's stuff we got to figure out before we go to Mars. Like if we can't coexist with each other, uh, then there's, there's no reason for us to take our, 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 our take our madness elsewhere in the universe. You know what I, I mean? wonder, I wonder if, uh, you know they'll have uh, vaccine passports to get into Mars. Oh, you'll probably you'll have to get thousands of shots before going to Mars to start the new colony. Maybe maybe it'll be that's maybe that's how it'll actually go. Is that all the all the unvaccinated people can stay here, mm-hmm. and then all the vaccinated people will go to Mars. Super down, super down. <laughs> um, Drew, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I never am ready for this question. Where am I spending time on the internet right now? better build mm, yeah better build that io i guess all right uh how's golfing uh fine okay yeah cool it's fine. all right uh you can find uh you can find me on at uh at son the dj on social media that's at ahsoh in the dj um you can find episodes of this podcast and more at weekly regular on social media or at weekly regular.com uh bitcoin drew uh as always it was great to have you on the show we'll have you back soon Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man.